0: ربنا اهدهم شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى اله واصحابه وسلم تسليما كثيرا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس تقربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء وتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به وَالْأَرْحَامِ ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا Ya you had a lady in a amal sadida, uslih lakum, ama lakum, or yal lakum, zulu bakum. Wame you te ilaha wara solahu, fakada faza, faza, aldhima. Amabad finna stakal hadithi kitabullah, or hera had you had your Mohammedin, salah wari, was salam, was sharal umori mohdata to her, wakulla mohdata tin bida, wakulla bida tin وَكُلَّ We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We seek Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa upon his family and his companions and those who follow them until the end of time. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an, He recognizes that the Qur'an, إِنَّ هَذَا الْقُرْآنِ لِلَّتِي هِي That the Qur'an, its fundamental purpose is to guide to what is exact, what is correct And also وَيُبَشِّرُ المؤمنين. And in that guidance, to the believers, they will find glad tidings because they will be following As we mentioned last week Ya بِحَبْلِ اللَّهِ means to cling to something which is a cause of saving you from something else so they cling to those evidences and by the grace of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the rahmah of Allah they find success inshallah in the hereafter. One of the important components of the prophetic da'wah is that the prophetic da'wah is contextually appropriate. So we find that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi sometimes people will ask him questions and he will actually, what we call when I studied in iftah, ziyarah where you actually give more than what the person asks. So for example, when the man came to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi as related by Marik in the Muatta and he said, you know, we are sailors. We don't take a lot of water with us. Is it allowed for us to make wudu with the water in the bahar, in the ocean? And he said that its water is pure. ميتتو, and also that its meat is pure as the dominant opinion that you can eat anything mashallah, from the seas. But the point is the man, he didn't ask the Prophet about meat. But the Prophet knew, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, that they're also going to eat. So just as they need wudu for their spiritual survival, they'll need to eat for their physical survival. So he adds to the answer, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Other situations, he will answer in a way that doesn't embarrass the person because he knows also this is contextually a problem, and also this is from the adab of the mufti that if somebody asks an embarrassing, embarrassing question in front of a lot of people. You phrase the answer in the third person instead of directing the person, uh, singling out that person for your answer because to embarrass a Muslim is haram or any person. So the Prophet when the Sahabiyah Umm Sulaim, she asked him, do women have an excretion like men have an excretion? And then he didn't say, ya Umm Sulaim, if this happens to you, blah, 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 blah. He said, if it happens to that woman, and then he gave the answer. Also, some, sometimes the Prophet Wasallam will not answer the question because it's not contextually appropriate or he wants to accomplish a greater educational goal. And this is the art of the mufti and the art of the alim. So when the man came to the Prophet Wasallam and he asked him about the times of prayer at Fajr time, came out in the Muatta, the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't answer him. Then he waited one day, so he prayed Fajr with him that day, and the next day he prayed Fajr at a different time, early and later. So we f- find the majority of the ulama, they pray Fajr at an early time, Salat al-Ahnaf, they delay the Fajr a little bit. Then the man, after a day, the prophet said, ain al-Qa'il? Where's the person who said that? He said, I'm, I'm the one, Ya Rasulullah. He said, Bayna hadani al-Waqt, like between those two things that you saw me do, is the time for Salat al-Fajr. The point is, look, SubhanAllah, how contextually in line the Prophet is with the needs of his community. And oftentimes this is a challenge if we've been taught simply to be Nukala instead of Uqala, Muqallideen instead of Mujtahideen. And this is one of the greatest problems of the Sunni community now, is even they ask their scholars to be Muqallids. I was in a masjid recently with a Shaykh, he has a PhD, Mashallah, in Usul-u-Fiqh, and somebody came to him, and I'm Maliki, so I thought it was interesting. He said, Shaykh, I want to know the opinion in the Maliki Madhab on Qunut and Fajr. He said, you know, this is the opinion, but it's not the strongest opinion. Then this person who has no real formalized academic training in Islam said to the Shaykh, you have to make taqlid. Then the Shaykh, he said to him, what's the difference? Then why did I go to school? Would we ask our doctors to make taqlid of medicine that was 300 years ago? Well, we ask our personal trainer, you know, I don't want to do mountain climbers, give me a boulder. I'm going to run from here to 136th Street and back. So we have a challenge that we fail to appreciate the contextual power of our religion. And that by closing, turning off the power of our religion, we fail to serve the people around us. And then the outcome of this is we just argue and fight about things that don't happen anymore. So the, the community will find power in like, I follow Ibn Taymiyyah, I follow Ghazali. Ibn Taymiyyah, he died hundreds of years ago, Rahimahullah. Imam al-Ghazali, he died hundred years ago. So instead of fighting for climate change, we're fighting over two imams. Instead of fighting over the prison industrial complex and what our theo rhetoric is in the issue, we're fighting over Sufis and Salafis. Subhanallah. One of my teachers used to say, the greatest sign of an adab of a community is that it fights in the cloud. Even its problems are in the cloud. Nothing is real. So what are the things that we should think about and being contextually appropriate, of course, we know this is Christmas, and we know as Muslims we don't celebrate Christmas as the Prophet said, Eiduna Eidani. We have two Eids, which is the Eid of Adha and the Eid of Fitr, Alhamdulillah. But still, we should have some talking points because I know as a convert, um, when I would go to my parents' house during Christmas, that was the greatest opportunity to do some advocacy work on, the, on, on behalf of Islam. And I remember my mother would have this massive ham. And I was like, man, that's a big ham. It's like an intimidating Oklahoma ham. And she turned to me and she'd say, do you really believe Jesus didn't eat ham? You know, that's an opportunity. That's an opportunity. So what I would like to do is quickly, just to be contextually appropriate as we scoot forward inshallah, touch on some of the issues around Sayyidina Isa salam, And then tonight uh, in the Bosnian Masjid, I don't like to call it the Bosnian Masjid, but that's what it's called, the Muslim's Masjid in Queens, which happens to be built and ran by a beautiful Bosnian community. We will go into greater detail on the story of Sayyidina Isa. We know that, of course, Jesus, because there's no J in his language, so if you called him Jesus, he wouldn't know who you were talking to. Uh, Sayyidina Isa alayhi salatu is from one of the greatest prophets, Ulul Azm. And there are certain beliefs we have about Prophets, number one, as Imam al Marzuki in the book that we just finished this week in Aqeedah on Tuesdays, he mentioned, you know, Arsla anbiya, wifatana tablihi our foundational beliefs around Prophets, which is very important, is number one, we believe that they were honest people. Number two, we believe that they were trustworthy. Number three, we believe everything Allah commanded them, and this is very important for this discussion, they delivered. And, and number four, we believe also that they did not hide anything in their information, the information that they shared to people. So, sidq, Tabliq, honesty, relaying the message, Al-Amana. And that they were trustworthy people. And that they were highly intelligent. Let's walk through the story of Isa through the Qur'an, because really, there's nothing better in teaching us about our religion than the Qur'an, mashallah, and the Sunnah of Sayyidina Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So let's just do, in this khutbah, a brief, if you will, excursion through the life of Sayyidina Isa through the perspective of the Qur'an and the authentic hadith of Sayyidina Al-Akwan Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then we can have some talking points, we go back to work, maybe people ask us. You know, maybe you're at home watching The Office, the episode with the Christmas party, and someone asks you, hey, what do you think about Christmas? What do you think about Jesus? I believe the khutbah should equip you with five or six talking points uh, that are going to make your life better, inshallah, and improve the life of people around you, inshallah. The first is his birth. And we know, subhanallah, that his birth starts with his grandmother. And we take a very important lesson here, that now, just as we think about generational wealth, we should be thinking about our offspring, especially converts who don't have the buttressing of the community. We don't have the social optics to protect our children. And that's why it's very important for converts not to hate each other. We see many agents from overseas creating this constant hatred amongst converts. I mean, we were Crips and Bloods before Islam. Why do we need to stay that way in Islam? Especially when we don't have, like my wife for example, Allah bless her, I remember when we first started talking for marriage, she said, how many first cousins, how many cousins do you have? I said, I'm white, I got five cousins. Like, she's like five, I say, in total, I have five cousins. She said, "Masha'allah, I have 81 first cousins. So then immediately I knew I gained some kind of important utility, right, through this relationship. If somebody messes with me, I'm showing up with 81 cousins. But we have to think about creating that buttressing and that support. And we do that, number one, through a very important notion of thinking about generational spirituality. The story of Isa starts with the dua of his relatives for him before he's born. <laughs> his grandmother said, Oh Allah, I seek refuge in, in my, in, I seek your protection from my daughter, which is Maryam. السلام, and for her offspring. And that's why the Prophet said, "Ma min mauludin?" There was no one born, there's nobody born, except shaytan massa, except shaytan touches that child and causes that child to cry, except Isa because of the dua of his grandmother. So now, even if you're not married, I remember when I first went to Hajj the first time, I was making dua for my grandchildren, for their grandchildren, from my offspring. I remember once, mashallah, one of our black brothers, he accepted Islam and he said, I am the dua of my great-great-great-grandparents in Africa. And I started to cry. I said, subhanAllah, I never thought about this before. He said, yeah, the dua came back to us and brought us back to the haqq. So subhanAllah, wa kana huma saliha. So never underestimate now the importance of being righteous. That's why Imam Ibn al-Ta'ala Iskandari said, you know, delaying good until you have al-faragh, free time, is the greatest sign, nafs that you're blind. Like, because the good is not about a utilitarian physical relationship. We believe that our good, yarfai, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, our good is raised to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and our good extends from this time on until the hereafter, subhanAllah. So good is not simply something understood through the lens of the Nasdaq. But good is understood through a transcendent relationship. So the first is the dua. And now we can take a quick lesson from the story. We should be making dua. As one of my my teachers used to say, if you have trouble talking to people, talk to Allah. And one poet, he said, most people, they get upset when you talk too much. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He loves you the more you make dua to Him. Wa qala rabbukum Call me, I will answer you. The second is His mother, Sayyida Maryam. And we go subhanallah to the third chapter of the Quran and the 19th chapter of the Quran. And if you want to freshen up, you know, these are kind of the chapters you want to be going through. Where the angel said to her, Inna Allah bi min. Allah has given you, in the third chapter, the good news of of a child who's called the Kalima of Allah. Why is Sayyidina Isa called Kalima Inna Isa Indallahi Kama Adam khadaqahu min turabin Because the likeness of Isa is like Adam. Allah created them him from nothing. Kun fayakun this also is an evidence to refute atheism because this verse is saying that matter cannot be created by human beings. Only matter can be created by Allah. Kun fayakun. So Sayyidina Isa is karimatullah. Ismuhul Masih Maryam. His name is the Messiah, the son of Maryam. Wajiha And he will be honored in this life and in the hereafter, mashallah, he will be those close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know her response in different places. For example, was Qur'fil Kitab Maryam, the only woman mentioned by her name in the Quran, is Sayyidina Maryam, Who Subhanallah, she, she went to be alone with her Lord. فأرسلنا إِلَيْهَ روحنا, and then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala dispatched an angel to her, who came in the shape of a human being. One of our beliefs is that angels are shapeshifters. Be careful who you talk to that you don't know you might be being mean or nice to an angel, but you can confirm it only in the hereafter, so don't, don't come to me and say, you met an angel at Trader Joe's or something. <laughs> and then she said, I seek refuge from Allah, from you. Here we see the etiquette of men and women and how they should treat each other with respect and honor, and that sexualizing a gender is antithetical to taqwa. Because her response is like, if this is why you're approaching me for this, fear Allah. Appreciate me for who I am. And then of course, we you know the story continues. And he said, I am a messenger, mirabbik, to give you and zakiyah, to bestow upon you a blessed child, a pure child. And her response is, anna li walam yamsasni bashar. How can I have a child? Nobody ever touched me. And then in two different places, it mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed this kun fayakun. And of course, in Surah Al Imran, you notice the difference between Zakaria and Maryam. With Zakaria, Allah says, ma yasha. and with Maryam, ma yasha. Because of course, the child of Zakaria, Yahya, was brought through the actions of people by the will of Allah. But Sayyidina Isa was created by Allah directly. With no cause. Kun fa <fayakun> Subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then of course she she gives birth. And here's where we'll start the story. But before that, in Sultan Ali Imran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to her that this child is going to do incredible things. And here's the The second lesson we can take from the story is that unfortunately our community, we are in a dangerous place in America. We have been inadvertently conditioned by Islamophobia on the right and Islamophobia on the left. And that is why we see what we value as a community is being accepted, especially in the entertainment circles. But we don't celebrate our purely spiritual accomplishments. So our spiritual successes are undermined by opportunities to feel popular as designated and defined by the dominant cultural ethos. And this is white supremacy in its core. So very rarely we will find ourselves celebrating, for example, in this community, as 18-year-old girl who becomes a hafif. That won't get tweeted. But subhanAllah. if some opportunity to be, you know, maybe a guest on Spongebob. And there's like a Muslim, everyone will celebrate it. What does it tell you? It tells you that we've been untethered from what real success is. But here we find something very incredible, that Sayyidina Isa alayhi salatu salam is celebrating his spiritual accomplishments. And Allah says, alimuhu." meaning that he will constantly be in a state of learning. A community that values secular success and fails to appreciate its spiritual accomplishments, one of its greatest signs is that it does not have passion for real, consistent learning. It has passion for entertainment and excitement. But ilm is ilm. And the prophet that knowledge is something we have to work for. Imam al-Shafi'i said, al-'ilmu You know, true knowledge is to constantly review, to constantly learn. So when Allah talks about the education of Sayyidina Isa, He uses fi'l mudari' the form of the verb which means always learning. الكتاب, and here kitab means "asrarullah اللَّهِ Allah taught him the secrets of the heavens and the earth. Like as he said about Sayyidina Ibrahim, وَكَذَلِكَ We showed, we unveiled for Ibrahim the secrets of the heavens. وَالْحِكْمَةِ Meaning prophethood. And we made him a messenger to the people. And here's the third lesson. So the first is dua. The second is a passion for constantly learning religion. And the third is what is being in the public place as a spiritual interlocutor. It's not simply like fun. You know, there is a social responsibility to being a member of the Prophet Muhammad's community, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. such as Sayyidina Umar, Amir Muminin, anhu. He said, I lose sleep at night worried if a donkey will trip on a hole in a street in Iraq. Meaning Allah will ask me, why didn't I fulfill my responsibility to a donkey? What about, SubhanAllah, human beings? So with great accomplishments comes great responsibility. And that's why I believe you are more important to the strategy of faith than the Imams. Imams, I live on the fourth floor of the library next door. Unless I'm listening to the Wu-Tang Clan, I'm not really able to stay culturally relevant in a way that you are, except I know what's going on with the Knicks. May Allah yarham them, inshallah. <laughs> we'll be praising Janazah for them after Salah. But because Allah has placed you publicly, and this is the problem of neo-traditionalism, neo-traditionalism tells you the sheikh knows more about your life than you. How can the sheikh know more about your life than you? He doesn't walk in your shoes. She doesn't see your life. But there is a reciprocity that happens between the sheikh and the, and the student that they both teach each other, and they both educate one another. It's not a one-way street. So Rasoolan ila bani Israel, he was sent to people, and immediately he has to call them to something that tests him. And it's very interesting here. To note that the anger of his community was not because he made the haram, the, the, the things haram. The anger of his community was from a group of neophytes, extreme literalists, who opposed Isa because he made certain things that were haram what? Halal. So it was their insecurity and their irresponsible conservatism. That inspired them to try to kill him. Remember this. It's very interesting. Maybe people thought, oh, he must have made things halal. And, you know, uh, people were upset with him. He must have made things haram. And people got upset with him. No. <laughs> I have made halal, things that were made haram for you. I have made permissible things that you used to consider impermissible. It was because of the irresponsible, irrational conservatives, not the neoliberal left that everyone fiction- likes to talk about in a fictional way that tried to kill him. How many times have we seen religious leadership largely opposed, not by people who are in the middle, the vital center, or people who may be a little bit less religiously adherent, no, if you look at most imams across the country, their biggest adversaries and problems are insecure conservative people. And that's why the hadith of the Prophet, shibran wa shibran, Sunnatan wa Sunnatan. you will follow them step by step like a snake, a lizard into the hole, isn't only talking about being too easy, it's also talking about being irrationally conservative
1: and they tried to kill him.
0: Inshallah in the next khutbah we're going to talk about that and the rest of the story of Sayyidina Isa. But we took three or four important lessons. Number one is dua for the future. Number two is that we should be constantly engaged in learning because if we don't learn for now, we can just fight about what we learned in the past. And this is the case, unfortunately, I can say with the Sunni community. And then the third is that with great accomplishment, comes incredible responsibility and then the fourth is that oftentimes it was irrational untethered conservatism that destroyed great religious leadership and scholars we ask allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yusabbitna ala al-haq aqulu qawli hadha astaghfirullah li wa lakum fastaghfiru innahu huwal ghafurur rahim alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamun ala sayidina rasul wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa man walah we praise allah we send peace and blessings upon our beloved Messenger Muhammad Rasulillah ala wa wa man The da'wah of Sayyidina Isa is scattered out through the Quran in numerous places, so if you want to find the crux of his message you can find it in the middle of Surat uh, Ma'idah where he says whoever says that God had partners Will be placed in hell. This is one of the things he says, alayhi salatu was salam. Allah is my Lord and your Lord, so worship him. And also, as I mentioned earlier, in areas of sharia, <inaudible> that I have come to make halal, some things that used to be made forbidden. And also his miracles, alayhi <inaudible> salam. When he says, You know, he mentions that I'm going to cause a bird to come to life from clay, I'm going to heal the leopard, all bi isnilla. So we learn something there that if a community really wants to accomplish something, it has to furnish those players with the right skills that are going to help them, the mu'jizat of the anbiya, the miracles that Allah gave to the prophets, can be best translated in, in institutional policy that we make sure that people involved in certain areas are supported in a way that strengthens them. So Allah wa ta'ala strengthens the anbiya with mu'jizat. The next is support. Even Sayyidina Muhammad wasallam. Allah says, wa bil mu'minin." Allah helped you, and He furnished you with the believers. We find, subhanAllah, in the end of Surah saf Isa as an organizer, as an activist, pleading for people to support him. Man ansari ilallah, who Who will help me with God? The Qira'ah of Qumbul and Ibn Kathir. Man كنوا أنصارا be constant helpers of God. Who he will help me? قال الحواريون نحن أنصار الله, and of course his followers they responded and said, "We'll support you." So sometimes, and this is the beauty, mashallah, in this community we have the surplus of volunteers, subhanallah, and not just from the students, mashallah, who want to excuse from not studying. Yeah, I know what's up. I used to do it, but mashallah, we have. Like Sister Farida, an elderly sister comes all the way, mashallah, from across the city to volunteer. We have people who come from all walks of life to help, subhanAllah, everything from feeding the poor to making sure that the converts feel welcome, to greeting people in Jumu'ah. And we should never tell ourselves, they have enough people. كُنُوا أَنصَارًا لِلَّهِ Be those who help Allah. And the last is opposition. And we know that the haqq has to have an enemy. وَكَذَارِكَ وَكَذَارِكَ Allah said, every prophet has an enemy. We cannot tie religious expectations to this kind of gospel of prosperity pushed by people like Joel Osteen. Because that's not what Islam says. Islam says the dunya may work out for you, the dunya may not work out for you. But all this doesn't matter because what a fatarda. Because real success isn't the hereafter. And we find that he was opposed in many ways by his people. And when he realized that they were ungrateful and that they committed disbelief, he sought help from people. Sometimes, I remember one time I was with my teacher, one brother, we got in the car, we put on our seatbelts, and this brother, he refused to wear a seatbelt. The sheikh he said, Ahmed from Senegal. Where's your seatbelt? No, no, I only trust Allah. <laughs> the sheikh said, SubhanAllah, if Isa, he asked people to help him in the face of a serious existential threat, if Musa asked Allah to furnish him with his brother in the face of this incredible responsibility to Fir'aun, don't you think he should use a seatbelt? So the idea of bil asbab as we talk about taking precautions in the face of existential threats, now as we move into 2020, we know that our community may become the object of irresponsible uh, lies, and this is what happens to Isa. وَبِكُفْرِهِمْ This is one of the last resorts of the enemies of truth, is to lie. And Bhutan is more than a lie. Bhutan is like, purposely meant to harm people. Recently there was a court case against Alex Jones and in that case it was revealed that he purposely spread things about Islam and Muslims that he admitted were untrue to destabilize civil society. To destabilize the country. In other words, in a nice way, to harm us as a community. So, we have to think about how do we structurally create edifices like care and others that are going to defend us and protect us. And they thought they killed him. وما وما Allah says they didn't kill him, they didn't crucify him, it was his likeness. The strong opinion there's a number of opinions. Imam al Tabari said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made Isa and his 17 supporters. Can you imagine only 17 supporters? How do we feel if we went home? We knew that we were a messenger of God, truly sent to all humanity. We opened up our Instagram account and we only had 17 followers. And then you get the message from shaitan, buy likes, 200,000, $25. So we learned the consistency of Isa. It's not about popularity. It's about the message in principle. And Al-Tabari said that Allah made all of them look like Isa, so they didn't know which one was him. And the one they apprehended was one of their own who wanted to kill him. SubhanAllah. Now quickly as we finish, because we don't have time to go into detail, we believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raised him to the heavens. There's three opinions about this. Inni wa warafi'u ilayk. I have raised you in Surah Al-Imran. I have caused you mutawafiq. Mutawafiq has two meanings. One is to sleep. This is the opinion of Sayyidina Ibn Abbas. So Allah caused him to sleep, and then raised him into the heavens. The other is Mumitu, caused him to die. This is the opinion of Sayyidina Imam Marik, rahimahullah, as well as a large number of ulama. But scholars mention something very profound. And this is the opinion of Al Tabari, who's mashallah, who he is. And that is that Sayyidina Isa was raised in the heavens alive. Neither was he put to sleep, nor is he killed, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do what he wants, kun kun. But he will die when he comes back. And that's why in Shulta Zuhruf we find the verse وَإِنَّهُ sa'a, That he is a sign of the hour. I know there's a lot of discussion about this issue, but stick to the foundational books of theology. Stick to what's been there for a long time. We don't need If we're a community under siege, now is not the time to think about tajdeed. A community under siege should think about not revival or changing their religion, but defending themselves. Because by changing, we show now that we're cracking in the face of this threat. And that's a sign of weakness. But Al-Tabari mentioned something very profound. He said that what it means is that Allah raised him, and this is the opinion of a number of the early Muslims, and he will come back, وَإِنَّهُ لِعِلْمُ السَّاعَةِ he is a sign of the hour, which is mentioned by Ibn Abbas in five different statements. And he will be a sign for what? For the Day of Judgment. Sayyidina Muhammad ﷺ, he said, "Yanzilul Isa That at the end of time, Sayyidina Isa, he will come back, this authentic hadith, and he will kill the Dajjal. I know what's about to happen. I watch Netflix too. Inshallah, in February here, we're going to have a one-day seminar just on Dajjal so we can, like, deal with the Antichrist. But he will come back and he said he will live amongst the Muslims, and we'll talk about this in detail tonight, and then he will die. So Sayyidina Imam al says, says, I will cause you to die ba'da after you come back to the earth. There are 14 hadith, we don't have time to talk about this here. As one of my teachers, he wrote a small book on it. Every one of these ahadith are sahih or support one another, that Sayyidina Isa alayhi salatu will come back. We ask Allah to make us be those who can be his supporters, inshallah. <laughs> and then of course the story continues and we don't have time. That after his death, and in, on the Day of Judgment, الْنَّاسِ وَأُمِّيَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Did you tell people to worship you and your mother?" And he will say, Absolutely not. This was not my message. My message was to worship Allah. So quickly, some talking points we can take as we finish. Number one, the miraculous birth of his Sayyidina Isa and the dua of his ancestors for him. And then the second lesson that we took is being constantly engaged in learning and asking questions. And if you're around someone that tells you, you can't ask me questions, I'm a sheikh. you should leave them. That's an insecure person. An insecure person can't teach. If they don't know, they say they don't know. But if you ask a good question, mashallah, you ask the questions from Allah. Alhamdulillah, we should respect that question. As the Prophet said, the remedy for any illness is to ask a question. And then the third, we talked about organizing. And being responsible with great gifts comes great responsibility. And then the fourth is having a supporting caste who will support me in the cause of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then the fifth is having to face opposition. And then the sixth, that he will be a sign of the hour alihi salam. And then the seventh, he will absolve himself of those who claimed him to be God or the son of God. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless us and bless you inshallah. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to let us be under the Zumrah of Sayyidina Muhammad and Sayyidina Isa alayhi salatu al-salam al qiyamah. Ask Allah to bless our Uyghur brothers and sisters. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in India. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless our brothers and sisters in Kashmir. We pray for our brothers and sisters in Africa and the Levant. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Iran. Pray for our brothers and sisters in Central Asia and all over the world. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless the Muslims in this country, to help us be united, to help us be strong, to help us have good suspicions of one another, alhamdulillah, and have love and ruhama bainana. Ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yaja'alna min, min, min those people yuqimun as-salah. May Allah make us from those people who established a prayer. Subhanahu rabbika rabbi izzati amma yasifun. Wa salaamun ala al-mursaleen. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.